But it's interesting because if I'm focused on the present, then I can really savor the stage that I'm in. But I also will consciously toggle back to one year prior and recognize that I'm currently living out a prior version of me's dreams. So I can have so much gratitude for even the like the mundane, unsexy things or to really manage my own anxiety to go into gratitude, which there is some weird anxieties that have come up with being pregnant, obviously, like as you're growing a human and like, this is also new to me where like the gratitude grounds me. And I think any of us can do that. Like look at you one year ago and be like, oh my gosh, there are doors opening that I'm like, or walking through that a prior version of me would have been like, how in the world is this even happening? So I have so much like gratitude and like this childlike wonder of like what's coming next. Mama, Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama House Goals is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom, and whatever your goals are, together we're making them a reality. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. Keisha Get Mary is one of my favorite people that I have met in this journey, and she is now entering the mom life world. She is expecting her first baby boy in November, and I am super excited to bring her on and have her chat about her journey up to this point, how she's stepping into motherhood, how she's navigated so many things along the way in life, and just so much more. Keisha is a life enthusiast. She is the wife. As I said, she's a mom-to-be, multi-passionate entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, event host, and she also invests in real estate with her husband, Sina. Her podcast, Empower Her, is one of the top-rated personal growth podcasts with over 9 million downloads and an engaged community of women who connect with Keisha's high-vibe energy, transparency, and this come-with-me-let's-figure-it-out-together approach to life and business. Keisha is obsessed with curating spaces for women to connect in person through live events, which we have a really exciting announcement about at the end of this episode retreats, and even building out properties like her Airbnbs in Denver designed for girls trips, bachelorettes, and so much more. She is also so passionate about helping women get their voices out into the world and has helped hundreds of women launch and grow their own podcasts through her podcasting programs. She believes that our days are numbered here and we don't know the count, so she is on a mission to help women build lives they are obsessed with. We talk about what this journey has looked like from Keisha working at Google to network marketing to now being a full-time entrepreneur, how her husband shifted from dentistry to entrepreneurship as well, how they've navigated friends coming along with them and not in so much more. This episode is so juicy, so good. Focus, listen in. We talk about how she's stepping into motherhood, some things that she is carrying with her. And honestly, this might be one of my favorite episodes yet. Keisha, beyond excited to have you here. Can't even put it into words. You are just like one of my favorite people I've met on this journey because you know, like your energy, your heart, and also just like how you show up in the world. Can't even say enough about it. And I could go on for hours. So I'm going to jump right in with a question that speaks to that. I want to know how have you balanced staying like an authentic, real human being? along with your success of over 9 million downloads on your podcast, really successful business, and just showing up still as cash at the end of the day. 
Kelsey, thank you so much. What a sweet intro. That means a lot to me because I do think that we have to recognize as humans, us showing up to be a fully expressed version of ourselves is then giving other people permission to do the same. And I honestly think that when I started in the entrepreneurial space back in 2014, I was like, I mean, at the time I was working in IT project management and engineering recruiting. So I was trying to shove this like big personality into my pencil skirt. And I remember feeling like I had to really be different versions of me all the time. Mm -hmm. And now at this stage in my entrepreneurial journey and podcasting and everything, I do feel like I get to show up as myself, but I didn't put the pressure on myself to figure out how to do that unapologetically right away. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. I think we put that pressure, like it's like a light switch. Like you hear people say like, be yourself, be authentic, show up on Instagram stories, do all these things. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to be the person that I am behind closed doors when I'm just starting. So yeah. I treated it more like a dimmer switch where I just slowly started to be more and more myself to the point that now in whatever capacity I meet someone in, I'm going to be the same person. And it just took time and like building up confidence and trusting that like, it's okay that I'm not going to be right for some people. Like you mentioned, I mean, I've got this like big personality. It's like some people really vibe with that and some people really don't, but it's not my job to try and water myself down to cater towards everyone. It's my job to really step up and show people that that's possible, but also just because it's a lot of energy to be a human sometimes and going around pretending to be something that just feels like a lot of pressure that I'm not going to put on myself, you know? Yeah. What does that balance look like though, when you're not ready to share with your online community, what is happening behind closed doors? Because I think sometimes people step into this space where they either have a following or a business or they're sharing life and all of a sudden they feel like they have to share everything even when they don't want to. How has that shown up for you? So I think when something is a very like open wound or it's something that you're navigating and there's not something teachable from it that you feel like you can speak to, like that's when you know you're not ready to share about that. And some things just don't need to be shared about. It's interesting because I'm very open with my community. Like the whole brand around Empower Her is very like, come with me, let's figure out life together. But I'm also like private in a lot of ways of what's going Mm -hmm. on in my day-to-day. So it's kind of being selective about what facets, like if you think about yourself, like this overarching person, you've got all these silos to your brand, to your personality, to your life. Some people are comfortable talking about business and talking about maybe their relationship, but they don't want to talk about their kids. Or, you know, for me right now, I'm loving talking about my pregnancy and talking about my business, but I'm not always talking about everything that's going on, like in my family, right? In my, like with my parents or something. So it's kind of like being selective about what you want to share about. And then asking yourself the question, like, is this something that I feel like there's something teachable that could like educate, entertain, inspire, and it feels fun for me? Like I really follow my intuition of like what brings me joy as a compass. And then I also am willing to like test things out. So like something that mm-hmm. I'm passionate about right now in my life is like this investing journey, like starting to invest in more companies and investing in real estate. But that's not something that the Empower Her brand that I've built for years is had heard me talk about. So it's this new evolution. So I'm catching myself even like wanting to be open about little things that I'm interested in to see just how I feel talking about it. And I'm very aware of like how things make me feel, how people make me feel. And I'm constantly taking inventory. And I'm, I think like, as you put your reps in of sharing different parts of your life online, you start to recognize like, am I doing this because I think I quote, quote, should do this? Or am I doing this because I'm actually passionate about it? If you're passionate about it, talk about it. If you're not, don't talk about it. 
that's literally it, you know? hundred percent. And this brings me back to when I was in my job and I started finding passions and things outside of work. And I felt like I was trying to fit that all in that pencil skirt. Just like you said, how did you navigate that when you were in your role at Google and then you stepped into network marketing? I have a feeling you weren't just like on your project management team with these engineers being like, Hey, you guys want to try this? Do you know what I'm doing (laughs) after work? How did you balance that transition of like those two identities being real, but also knowing sometimes they don't overlap? Yes. Oh, that's such a great question. So some people talk about this idea of like jump and like hope the net appears, especially if you're building a business or you're doing that. That is never how I've talked about entrepreneurship in general. I've actually always talked about it like adding another stream of fulfillment on the side and then being curious about how that can like lead you in a different direction. Like everything I've done in my journey since 2014 when I started my first business while I was working at Google and I started a network marketing, it was on the side and I treated it as like a way for me to show up and learn how to be a more fully expressed version of myself. And I really had this lens of curiosity, like that network marketing business went on to earn like, you know, a couple million dollars, but I wasn't going into it with the intention of, I need this to earn a couple million dollars. It was more so like, I need another stream of fulfillment because at the time that you're referring to, I was working at Google, which on paper made sense. And by a lot of other people's standards, that was like a really great job. And it was great in a lot of ways, but I felt really unfulfilled. And like, I really wanted to be this fully expressed version of me. And there was part of me that felt like, I know a lot of your listeners can connect with this. Like, it's like, I looked around and everything made sense, but internally I had this like visceral feeling that I was like, I am in the wrong lane, but like, what in the world do I do about this? So I treated this like side thing, which for me was first network marketing. I treated this as like, this is going to be a fun way for me to have a creative outlet. I'm going to learn more about being myself. I'm going to build confidence. I'm going to make impact. I didn't have the expectations or this like pressure on myself to make it into this big full-time thing or this big couple hundred thousand dollars a year thing. Like that's so much pressure that I think sometimes we start something and then we get so dang focused on the end goal that we forget that we have to put our reps in to build confidence and to build up the coping mechanisms and the skills and the confidence to actually sustain the big vision. So I just really don't put so much pressure on myself in the early stages. And everything that I've done still to this point is always on the side. Like even when I was doing network marketing and that was a full-time income, I started my podcast on the side because I knew that wasn't fulfilling for me anymore, but I didn't put the pressure on, okay, now you need to close the door on this and you need to create something completely new because then you come from this like very scarcity place People can feel that, but more importantly, you're the person that you're spending every single second with of every single day. So you want to make sure that you're doing something that is still lighting you up. And I think that's a way to not put so much pressure on, you know? Yeah. And if you change your mind, right? To be able to go back and do it. So starting network marketing on the side, but then growing it to multi-million dollars. Talk about that transition period where the thing that was fun in an outlet becomes really hard work. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because like, you know, you start something new and then for anyone listening in, that's a big visionary, like you and I are, it's like, you've got this big vision of where you want to go, but then you have this big space between where you are now and how you're going to get there. And often when we're in that beginning stage, it's like you're labeling that space as overwhelming or intimidating, or you're asking yourself all these crappy questions, worried about like how you're going to get there and wanting it to come more quickly. Cause you know, mm-hmm. we live in this like instant gratification, Amazon prime culture where we're socialized to believe if you get something more quickly, 
then it's more desirable. But I've always been really focused on like, how can I support myself knowing that every single time that I stumble or something doesn't go according to plan, that's helping me like fall down so I can then get myself back up and build the like the grit and the resilience and the resourcefulness, all the skills that I'm going to need to maintain that big vision. Mm -hmm. So it's all working for me. It doesn't mean that it's fun because I would so much rather, you know, have those seasons of like rainbows, butterflies, like crushing it. But if I'm really honest with myself, I love those seasons, but I'm not learning anything that's going to help support me and that future vision. And, you know, moving into even this season of being pregnant right now and, you know, with our first baby, I'm looking at like a lot of these parallels where I have no idea what that's going to be like. And that's okay with me because right now I'm like, I have built confidence and belief in my ability to figure things out along the way because I've done so many things at this point in my career that I had no idea how in the world I was going to do it. But here I am on the other side. And, you know, to the listeners that are hearing that, it's like so often when we're doing something new, we get really like paralyzed in fear. We run into that first roadblock or the resistance and we're like, "Ah, I don't know what to do. And then we panic. But it's like, look to your past. There's so many things that you've done that you had no idea how in the hell you were going to do it, but you figured it out. And this you'll figure out too. But it's just like going back to this place of like, this is all serving me. I need those seasons of resistance to teach me things that I can't possibly learn when I'm crushing it. You know? So yeah. it's like, I just make sure that I remind myself that so I don't panic and like spiral downwards and then ugly cry on my bathroom floor too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you've been with Cena for such a long time and it kind of reminds me, you know, I met my husband in college as well. Yeah. And the transition of like, at the college party to where you become parents and how your relationship grows and you grow together and you transition. Like you can't be prepared the same way that night that you meet to where you grow, your relationship evolves, you evolve, you get new experiences. And some days you're going to have days that aren't just like you frolicking and lust and love, and it's going to be more difficult, but you look back at the things that you've built together and overcome. And I see this like period of, where that relates to motherhood and growing a business and in your career and everything else. So going back to being in the corporate space and transitioning into network marketing and then going into your business, what was the feedback from the outside? Because I can imagine that there were a lot of conversations going on. How did you navigate that? So it's interesting because I think there's always some sort of risk that you're navigating. And for me early on, like we're talking 2014 network marketing and putting yourself out there on social media, which was not as common as it is today. So there was a lot of like social risk with it rather than like investment, like starting a network marketing business didn't cost me a lot of money versus like now that we're doing things like in the real estate space, there's so much more skin in the game financially. But back then it was so much more social risk and no proof that I could look back on in the past and say, see, last time I did this thing or followed my gut, it worked worked out. It was that first time. So it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, so overwhelming. So I didn't like have as much confidence in myself when I first started. So I was so much more receptive to feedback than I am now, good or bad, right? Like I was so much more fragile because I just, I was like this like baby bird, like trying to figure it out. (laughs) And I remember so many people were like, 
why can't you just be happy with like what you have? Like you have this awesome job, especially when I was working at Google. And one of the biggest like people that was really difficult for me was a close friend of ours, like a really close friend of Sina's that was just like not supportive at all. And I had to really like learn a hard lesson of like, number one, am I showing support to this person the way that I want them to support me? Even if Mm -hmm. I'm in the entrepreneurial space and they're in the corporate world, like, am I being the type of friend that I want to be? Okay, cool. Check that off. Like I was like, okay, I feel good about this. And I was like, it's not up to like somebody else to support me for me to decide that that's a prerequisite for me to go for it. But in fact, what can I learn about this resistance and how can I use that as a fuel source to be like, even if this person super close to me doesn't get it and isn't supporting me, do I still want to do this? And the answer was yes. And also even asking myself like this person who I'm like craving their support, why is it that I need their validation? And I've noticed that even like when I'm talking to a lot of women in the podcasting space that I help now, where they're like, I'm worried what quote unquote people think about me. But if you say people, it's typically not Sally Sue 293 on Instagram or this random girl from third grade that you're connected with on Facebook, but it's like your uncle John, or it's like your sister Beth, and you're worried about this one person. And when I ask myself, would I trade places with that person? Is that person living a life that I want to be living? Even if they love their life, it's it's probably not what I want to be doing. Or have they even done the thing that they're criticizing me about or not supporting me in? And it really provided this amazing clarity for me to really trust that like, it's my job to believe in myself. Nobody else's, everybody else's sprinkles on top. And the irony is like, if you kind of get focused on your direction that you're going, those people that maybe didn't believe in you, sometimes they come back around and they're like, okay, so how did you do this later? Right. Um, which is kind of funny, but to be honest, at the time it was really challenging for me in particular with that one person. I mean, there was a lot of feedback in general, but with that one person that was the hardest, But if I didn't learn that lesson then, it would be so much more difficult for me to deal with negative feedback now Mm -hmm. because of all this time that I'm used to putting myself out there. And, you know, it's just a lot of times we think that we want to have, even like with the podcasting space, a lot of people would tell me like, oh, I would love to have 100,000 downloads on my podcast a month. And I was like, I would not have been able to handle it until I got to that point. Because I needed to build up confidence to be able to handle when people don't vibe with me like, and to not make that mean something or have too much weight what strangers on the internet think of me. But at the beginning, I would have crumbled. And, you know, actually, Kelsey, this is so relevant to your audience where I actually had someone in my community that I really love and she's joined lots of programs and things over the years. She reached out to me and she expressed that she didn't think it was appropriate for me to talk with so much excitement about my pregnancy because that it would ostracize people like her in my community who don't want to have kids. And to be honest, my first reaction was like, F off. I was like mad and defensive at first. Like, you don't get to tell me what to do. But it made me realize like, it is so important to recognize that we are not going to be for everyone. And even sometimes in different seasons of life, We Mm -hmm. won't be for everyone. And it made me honestly want to crank up the volume. And I started talking about it more because I was like, people need to see that example of someone who's excited about something too. And it just reminded me like, I'm going to evolve. And sometimes people aren't going to like it. Even people that have been really supportive do, you know? Yeah. And I think that goes back to, I remember when you first shared that with that situation and it goes back to like you just being authentic because I don't think it, 
shows authenticity for you to be like, you know what, I'm not going to talk about the thing I'm excited about in my life, because it may not make this person feel good, even though I'm excited about it. And you have to know, like when you especially create your own platform, that's your ability to have it be yours in any way that you want it to be. And yeah, it's going to rub people the wrong way sometimes. When it goes back to your friend that didn't necessarily understand network marketing and you taking that step, you are such an energetic, come along with me person. How do you find that balance of knowing some people aren't going to come along? Like, how do you get yourself to be like, I'm so excited. I want to bring everyone with me, but some people just aren't going to come. So I think what helps me is like, as strange as this sounds, like the fragility of life in general is always on the forefront of my mind. And like, you know, this calls, but for people listening in, I lost two friends at age 30 and then my husband lost his dad last year. And so I just think about the fact that I literally only have one shot here. And it sounds so like Pinteresty quote of like, our days are numbered here and we don't know the count, but like truly our days are numbered here and we don't know the count. So I think that my job as a human is like I was gifted this vision and part of this vision that I was gifted is to be this fully expressed version of me and to have this transparency in this brand. I feel really called to do this like come with me type of thing. It doesn't necessarily mean come with me because you have to agree with me or come with me because you're in the same stage of life as me, but more so I want to be this person that can be this like unapologetic reminder of other people of like, it can be messy and it can be fun and it can be, you can be all over the place. You can make up words and you can still build a large podcast and you can do whatever the hell feels aligned for you. And it's not my job to make everyone understand that, but it's my job to show that because even people that don't connect with my personality because they're very different than me can see themselves in like, oh, there's something about how she's showing up that I want to embody for myself in my way. And then yeah. there are some people that I'm a reflection on that's like making them feel like I don't want anything to do with this person. But I, I would much rather be myself than worry about how I'm going to like interpret like catering to other people. I just... I just don't have the capacity and I just don't think that that's part of my vision for a reason. And all of us are gifted different visions, but that is such a core thing. I've always been a very come with me person since I was like young. I didn't have the verbiage of it, obviously, but I've always loved to just bring people along and like have really cool, like raw conversations that just don't feel so polished. So if I was gifted that vision, then I think my gift back to the world is to go put that out there. Even if some people don't get it, it's like very... Um, like purpose driven, right? And like expressed in different ways through different programs and products and events and all that stuff that I'll continue doing. But it's very like visceral to me that I feel like I'm not living up to the potential that I was gifted if I'm not showing up in this way. So I'm okay with people not getting it, you know? Of course, I'd rather people like me, but if they yeah. don't, it's not my, it's not my problem, you know? Yeah. And knowing that your days are numbered, like you have to call your shot. And I've heard you talk yeah. about this before, like call your shot and go for it. How do you get the confidence to call your shot for the first time? Because I feel like it's this muscle that once you've done it a couple of times, you can go for it. Mm -hmm. But talk to that mom that's like, I don't even know how to call my shot to like sit down on the couch with my husband and tell him like, I was listening to this podcast and I have an idea or the one that is listening to her best friend complain at the park about her life. And she wants to like send her an an episode to listen to or anything like that. How do you go first? How do you raise your hand and call your shot? I think we just recognize that it is going to feel so painfully uncomfortable the first time. And there is no way around that. And nobody gets to skip the first time. And sometimes that's what I think can be 
really unhelpful actually is when there's a lot of people that are in the entrepreneurial space, for example, giving advice of how they build their business now or how they call their shot now, making Mm -hmm. it seem like it's easy versus like, I remember like, you know, things that I've called my shot on where I'm like so sweaty and I feel like I'm literally going to vomit or like poo my pants or something. And it's so uncomfortable, but now it's just part of like how I do things. I mean, I talked about on my podcast how I really want to be on the Drew Barrymore show. Like I just like said that randomly and it's like things just roll off my tongue now that I just say out loud. But I think early on, if we understand that it feels extremely uncomfortable and we normalize it through conversations like this, that nobody gets to skip that stage and nobody, it, Oprah herself, I guarantee you, she's never been on my podcast before, but eventually when she is, I'm like, I'll ask her this, but I guarantee you she was so sweaty and awkward calling her shot on her first job that she wanted her, the network that she wanted to build. So I think if we just number one, like normalize it and then recognize that when we have an idea, if we can get ourselves to take one tiny little action, it doesn't have to be something massive. Maybe there's someone right now that say you want to run a half marathon, probably can't run a half marathon tomorrow, but you absolutely can find a half marathon and sign up for that half marathon and then loop somebody in on that vision of what you want to do and get that dopamine hit. Like, what can I do in the next 24 hours to move the needle forward? Who can I loop in on this? Like, what conversation can I have? And then keep that promise to yourself because that's a massive confidence deposit in your bucket if you're the person who follows through on that thing. Um, so from a tactical perspective, I honestly think if there's someone listening into this right now, it's like in the next 24 hours, not next week, not when you get around to it, not when the kids go back to school, not when it's convenient. Literally, what can you do in 24 hours with this vision that you have, even if it's just DMing someone on Instagram or messaging them on LinkedIn or talking to that person who is in your kid's like school classroom or whatever with you, like something that you can do, find a tiny little thing that you can't not do. It doesn't have to be big though. You know what I mean? It has to be small actually. So you can be like, okay, I did that. And now you have one thing that you can look back on and see, okay, I did that thing. Now I can do the next thing. Yeah. I love that. You have built such an amazing network with the women that you support and also your own peers and who you connect with. What is a piece of advice for connecting with the person above you, expanding your network and calling your shot in that way? Because there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. What are some things that you've learned and ways that you wish people would connect with you? Yeah. So I think one of the things that people like underestimate is really important is asking yourself, how can I add value to this particular person? And even if you don't feel like you can add value, it's like sharing things that they're doing on your podcast, on your social media, finding a way that you can support them with no expectations that they're going to support you, right? Like Mm -hmm. I even think about one of like now friends of mine and, you know, became my first real business mentor, Chris Harder. Like I would shout out his podcast and share stuff about what he was doing. And then I reached out to him, called my shot and said, Hey, I want to be in your mastermind. You had to make $500,000 a year to be in this mastermind. I didn't even have a business outside of network marketing. And I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to come back to you. So I supported him from afar. And then I called my shot to him. And then I came back to him and I was like, okay, now I'm joining this thing. And so I think sometimes you find those people that you're like, there's something about them that I want to connect with. And you literally just decide that these are the people that I'm going to support. And that's how you get on people's radar. But also being willing to like craft your own lane, right? Because now at this point, even with you and your podcast, like you can bring people onto your show that maybe before the podcast, you didn't have a platform that you could connect with them, right? Versus me, I can get some people on my show that I couldn't like have paid to talk to early on, but I had a platform that I could bring them onto. So it's asking yourself, like, 
how can I support somebody else? How can I add value to them with no expectation? Because it's not like, oh, hey, I supported this and now can you help me with this thing? But I, I get so many DMs of like, Keisha, can I pick your brain? Or Keisha, can you promote this on your social media? Or can you do this? I'm like, I don't know you yet. There's no, mm. there's no trust or credibility. And it's not that I'm not willing to do it, but we have no relationship yet. So like, if you actually genuinely focus on adding value and creating real relationships and then creating like things with your current peers, like so often we get caught up in like, oh, I want to be working with this particular person. And at this stage, it's like, collaborate with who's around you right now and like understand that that's the community that you guys get to support and hype each other up as you're all growing and building rather than setting your sights on, we'll just use Oprah as an example. Like I can only do this until I do it with Oprah. It's like, there are so (laughs) many amazing people that you could connect with right now, but like, don't disregard them, like join forces with them and all support each other. And everybody goes up, you know? Yeah. And it brings me back to like when you said we were talking about your friendships and you're like, am I being this friend? The first thing I thought about when you're saying that is like, if you're hoping that your kid has this specific type of friend or you wish you had this specific mom friend, how are you nurturing the relationships you already have? Even outside of business and saying, oh, I want to work with Oprah, figuring out your business friends. But if you're like, gosh, I just wish I had a mom friend like this, or I wish I had this person in my life. How are you nurturing the people that are there? And how are you looking for the opportunities that you do have? And something I admire so much about you is as you've grown, you have some really solid friends that have been in your life forever. I remember going to your first event and like almost all your volunteers were friends that you've carried with you throughout life. How have you balanced building this life and business that maybe most of them may not even understand or maybe they do now and also nurturing those relationships on the way? I love that you're talking about this because so often like we forget how there are different seasons of life where I think it's really important to curate an environment of people that look like the direction of where you're headed, not just where you've been, but not in a way where you have to like cut off people that are supportive of you from where you've been. Right. And like, so what you're talking about with the event, you know, of, of the volunteers, like there are a core group of them that are friends that I've been friends with since like junior high. And, uh, some of them are stay at home moms, right. Or they're in the corporate world and they're not building businesses. And my husband and I, you know, this, but like we grew up in the greater Seattle area. And when we left in 2014, every single close girlfriend that I connected with after we left was very intentional about looking like the direction of where I was headed. So all of my friends are entrepreneurs since leaving Seattle and most of my husband's friends as well. But all of our friends from Washington state, like Seattle area where we grew up, they're all in the corporate world. So I had to really ask myself like, you know, what can I get excited about? And a lot of my girlfriends had kids like in Washington had kids before me versus here in Denver where we live now. And all of our friends are entrepreneurs. We're the first ones of our friends having kids yet. We're all in our thirties. It's really interesting because a lot of them have built businesses and then decided to have kids a little bit later. So I've just always been so intentional and honestly, not just with friends, but even with my parents, this has helped me with my relationship with my own mom where I'm like, she's a human who has things that she's excited about. I don't want to expect that she's only going to ask me questions about what's going on in my life and then be interested in me. I don't want to just be interesting. I want to be interested. And so Mm -hmm. I'm constantly saying like, what is it that this person's excited about? So while I couldn't relate to my best friend, Lauren, when her, you know, her daughter got her first big girl bed, I have no idea. I've literally never (laughs) changed a diaper in my life. I was like, I have no like understanding of this, but I can connect with the emotions of like, 
the excitement, but also grief of like change that comes with like the growth and how she's feeling. And like, you know, and I was really digging into like the emotional part of it. So I can connect with her based off of the emotions, even if I don't understand the situation. And I've been mm-hmm. so intentional about a tight group of girlfriends that I'm like, I have the bandwidth to pour into these people. And knowing that like there are proximity friends that, you know, we've moved around the country a lot. So there are proximity friends that naturally you just like don't stay close with, but when you see them, it's great. But I do have a couple of really close core girlfriends from the Seattle area that I stay close with where I have to remind myself that I might have a lot more going on in terms of like flashy things that are talked about on social media, but they have a lot going on in terms of like, these are milestones that like their kids are growing in. And this is how they're navigating with their boss and their maternity leave and things that maybe I don't, isn't applicable to my life, but is really important to them. And I really want to be the type of friend that I want to have. And that's helped so much. And now, even if they don't understand it, like in terms of my ambition for entrepreneurship, they want to be part of it. Like Lauren, the one that I just mentioned, she has two girls and she volunteered last year. This year, she just started a photography business on the side and I hired her to be part of our next live event to do some pictures there. Cause I'm like, you're so inspiring to me. You're a mom of two young girls and you're building this business while also having a corporate job. Like, how can I support you? And it's pretty cool to be able to do that now for her, you know? That is so cool. And showing up and I know that you do this for so many people close to you, but where can you support? Where can you pay and support your friends in that way? And uh, Jamie Kern Lima at your event last year spoke to that as well. And you definitely are just as equally there. So when you talk about this, it reminds me of in motherhood. One of the things that I've found the trickiest is being present while planning for the future. Mm -hmm. And this is so applicable to so many areas of life where I know my two-year-old is never going to be two again, but I also have a responsibility to teach him how to use the bathroom, how to become a little human, how to grow up and teach my four-year-old how to have real conversations while also being like, sound like a toddler forever. (laughs) And how do you manage that as a mom, no one really knows. We just kind of do it. But you have found in your business, this balance of creating success while moving on to the next thing. And I would love for you to just speak to how do you fall in love with where you're at in creating real success there, like not just jumping with shiny object syndrome, but real success there, and then moving to what's next for you and what you're called to. Oh gosh. One of the biggest things that I think about on a daily basis is how can I be present where my feet are? So often I will physically put my feet on the ground. I'm like, this is where you are now. And I like move around my feet. Like it's a weird thing that I'm always doing. Cause I'm like, this is the moment that you're gifted right now. So like focus on what's in front of you because I am such an excitable person. And I know so many moms are going to connect to this way more, but like 800 tabs open in your brain. I can only imagine I'm probably gonna have 1800 tabs open when I actually have a human that I'm responsible for. So it's this presence, but I also really toggle between a one year ahead version of me and a one year prior version of me. So it's like Mm -hmm. the main focus, the micro focus is what do I need to do today to like win the day to feel like I'm making progress based off of that season in life, right? Because often, you know, we hear not to compare ourselves to other people, but what I'm always really focused on is also not comparing myself to a prior version of myself when the circumstances were different. So like yeah. at the time that we're recording this, you know, 29 weeks pregnant, me is very different than before I got pregnant and like what I can accomplish in the day just from an energy perspective, right? But 
it's interesting because if I'm focused on the present, then I can really savor the stage that I'm in. But I also will consciously toggle back to one year prior and recognize that I'm currently living out a prior version of me's dreams. So I can have so much gratitude for even the like the mundane, unsexy things or to really manage my own anxiety to go into gratitude, which there is some weird anxieties that have come up with being pregnant, obviously, like as you're growing a human and like, this is also new to me where like the gratitude grounds me. And I think any of us can do that. Like look at you one year ago and be like, oh my gosh, there are doors opening that I'm like, or walking through that a prior version of me would have been like, how in the world is this even happening? So I have so much like gratitude and like this childlike wonder of like what's coming next. And then I think very consciously, especially from a business perspective, and even moving into the season of knowing that we wanted to have kids is I was like, how could I set myself up now and keep showing up so that one year ahead of me version of me is going to like her Tuesdays. And that was something very consciously that I thought about with us moving into this season of wanting to be parents is like, I don't know exactly what maternity leave will be like. I don't know what my birth will be like. I don't know. There's a lot of like big question marks, but I do know that one year ago version of me was already thinking about that and thinking, how can I create more optionality for that person? So it's like present where your feet are toggling backwards to give yourself confidence and gratitude, but then still thinking like, how is me showing up now connecting to the life that I want to have just one year from now. Cause five mm. years from now often like gets me too like overwhelmed. Cause I feel like the world is like your oyster. You can like, what do I want to do in five years? I have no idea. Um, yeah. But like all these big visions are important, but it's still like having this very tactical way that I do this on a daily basis. We're like, I'll sit down. I'm present on my feet are, And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool that you get to do this today. And like, how is this contributing to one year from now? Yeah. And super tactically, is that you like journaling? Is that you sitting down and just consciously asking yourself those questions? Is it subconscious at this point? What does that actually look like? It's sub, it's pretty subconscious, but what I do on a daily basis that I've done every day since 2014, when I first started my business is in the morning when I brush my teeth, cause you know, my husband used to be a dentist. So we're big on the full like Sonicare rotation. <laughs> so every morning I'm asking myself, like, what am I excited about for today? And I do this, like, I mean, this is literally every single day I've done this. Cause I always brush my teeth in the morning. I like to have it stack on things that I for sure know I'm going to do. Like I'll never yeah. do have it stack on washing my hair. Cause like, who knows how often I'm going to wash my hair. Um, but I know I'm going to brush my teeth. So anyways, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm thinking about what I'm excited about for today and like priming my brain because in positive psychology, I love this concept that it's like, you're not responsible for your first thought, which could be you waking up in the morning feeling like I didn't sleep well or like, Oh, I'm frustrated or like, this is what I have going on today, but you're responsible for your second thought. And so by the time I get from my bed into my bathroom and I'm brushing my teeth, which is the first thing I do, then I'm starting to then prime my brain to get excited. And then at the end of the day, when I brush my teeth before bed, I have that two minutes again, where I'm thinking about what I'm proud of myself for to really build up that confidence, which helps me as an entrepreneur, but it also helps me manage anxiety for unknown seasons where like, I just believe in my ability to figure things out. I believe that I'm resourceful enough because it's like every single day since 2014, we're talking nine and a half years. I've consciously looked for ways that I'm proud of myself and it's not external things. It's not like you made X amount with this launch or you got this speaker or you did this cool thing. It's like you sat down and you wrote out copy when it would have been really easy for you to just put this off. You had a tough conversation. You answered this phone call and you handled this with grace. You did X, Y, Z things that maybe other people wouldn't even acknowledge as wins or gold star things 
but they're big to me. And, you know, for moms, it's like you handled this conversation or you would have reacted in this way, but you talked this way instead. You had this tough conversation with your significant other or whatever that looks like. And you have two minutes. That's all it is, right? It's not this huge journaling practice. It's not this cold shower and like all these a million things. It's like (laughs) practically in your day of something that you know you're going to do. And that's literally the only thing that I can guarantee I'm going to do every day. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And that's super tangible because you can do it no matter what. And we all have a lot of variables in our life. So making sure that we can actually execute is super, super important. So I can't help but think about when you go back, you're in college, you meet Cena, and he probably had no idea what he was signing up for, where, (laughs) where you're at today. And, you know, being a parent, you are responsible for other people, whether it's your partner, your children, whatever is your home dynamic. It's not just you. Once you become a mom, you're, it's no longer ever just you again, which is wild. I don't know if that's set yet for you, Kish, but it's starting (laughs) to set, I think. (laughs) But it's crazy. But there is something really cool about growing with your partner and growing with your Mm -hmm. children. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about what that's looked like behind the scenes and knowing that you have this big energy and this let's go after life personality, does Cena match that or does he kind of have a different speed that he's going at with things? And what does that look like? It's funny because we met, you know, in college when we were both 19 and I mean, it's just so wild to think of how much we've grown over the last like 14 years together. Um, But I told him early on, I was like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing career wise, but I have like a lot of ideas and I want to go here. And if you're looking to, like, I literally told him this probably a year into us dating. Like if you're looking to marry someone that's going to be like this stay at home mom who wants to make dinner and do all of these things. I don't know if that's ever going to be me. So I just want to give you a full disclaimer of that. And he was like, this is like the weirdest thing for like a 19, 20 year old to say, <laughs> but we've evolved with each other because, you know, we went to New York for him to go to dental school. And I had to then move into this like primary income, actually solo income earner at that point while he was at NYU. And that was so much pressure. And that was a big switch of like just gender roles in general. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, up until this point now that he's doing a lot of stuff with the real estate, but I've been like the primary income earner. So that creates an interesting dichotomy. But on top of that, I think like what's been really cool is we've both been really supportive of each other figuring out how to grow as individuals while intentionally growing together. And that's always been the forefront of our mind and navigating all of these new chapters. Because one of the biggest, most difficult chapters for us was in 2021, right before we got married. So we dated for 13 years before we got married. In 2021, he decided to leave dentistry, which was so exciting because I wanted him to jump into this entrepreneurial space. But he comes from a linear background with a linear brain. So the idea of like, just try and like figure things out that is not in line with him. He's very analytical. He's very goal driven. He wants to know exactly step by step. And I'm over here like, that's just part of it. Like just swim. And he had so much anxiety that came up for that. Fast forward a couple, like literally two weeks, we get a call that his dad's cancer is back and we're in hospice with him for 12 weeks in Seattle until his dad passed in July. So like he literally left dentistry And then he lost his dad and was trying to start a brand new career. And what's interesting, and you know this, Kelsey, with like when you've been with someone for a really long time, you naturally have these certain roles where I've always been this like free spirit, like excited person. He's always been this stable rock where he's outgoing too, but in a more like grounded way versus I'm like a little bit all over the place. But when he had all of this anxiety that came up through losing his dad and feeling so uncertain about his career and not having this like 
title and job to rest his laurels on, which was really like important for him as a Enneagram three achiever type of person coming from an immigrant background. That was huge. Um, cause he's Persian. So that changed. And then I felt so unstable and it wasn't necessarily like a codependence thing, but it was more just like a relationship roles thing. Whereas like yeah. I have been used to being an entrepreneur and I'm fine with like with making more money. That wasn't a problem in our dynamic. But when he wasn't this security that then made me feel so safe and comfortable to jump and that was gone, I crumbled. Like really, really like externally, there was a lot of like positive things that were happening. But internally, I was really, really struggling and talking a lot about anxiety and things like that on my podcast that I had never dealt with in my life. And part yeah. of it was because of this dynamic, because you are so ingrained, like spending so much time together, yeah. growing up together, best friends, doing all of these things. Um, but honestly, those seasons are like what really built this foundation that is making me so excited to parent with him because I love how different he is than me. I think I add this like adventure and excitement and I'm going to like be this like hype for a little boy, but I think he's going to provide this like really amazing example through how he shows up and how he takes care of me and how he loves his wife and that our son gets to grow up with that. And we both grew up with divorced parents. So it's like, it's been so cool to get to evolve. Um, but it's been so challenging to get yeah. to evolve. But now looking at this stage, you know, cause we had a lot of pressure early on from, I mean, we dated for so long before we got married and so many people are like, your ovaries aren't getting any younger. Like, are you going to have babies? So many people externally, like what, when are you guys getting married? When are you going to have kids? And I'm so grateful sitting here at 33 years old, him being 34, that we're having our first baby now, because I'm like, we got to this stage where this made sense for us and the choices that yeah. we wanted to make. And it feels really good. Like, and really exciting and really scary. But because I have this person who has all of these strengths that I lack, like he is patient and stable and very like <laughs> predictable. And I'm like excitable and like all over the place. But it's like a yin yang thing that really yeah, works. It's so important. And, you know, people say opposites attract. I also know couples that are very alike and very similar. And I think in every relationship, there's something that ties you together. Right. And yeah. so my husband and I have very many differences, but there's something that brings you together. And I think even in business, whether it's like a team member or anything else, being able to find each other's like skill sets and just nurturing that skill set of that person mm -hmm. and seeing with your kids. And I think this will be really interesting for you. Something I've noticed in myself as a parent is where things pop up in my kids where I'm like, mm, that's maybe not one of my best um, characteristics that I see coming out. And also the characteristics that we do give that are so great that we get to see come out in our children. Yeah. How have you nurtured this so far as a person knowing that you wanted to be a mom and stepping into motherhood? What are some of the things that you're just like so excited to instill into baby boy and that yeah. you're like, gosh, if I could give him one thing, it would be this. I want him to be kind and I want him to be a fully expressed version of himself. Those are the two biggest things. And then Cena, we literally were just talking about this on our morning walk. And Cena is like, I want him to be a critical thinker. Even if we don't agree with him on something, like I want him to be able to like speak his mind. So it's like, I envision having this child that like is emotionally regulated too. Because to be honest, I am, you know, an Enneagram seven, like have this like very bubbly personality, but something that I've struggled with 
with my own mom, for example, is when she calls me still to this day at 33 years old, if I don't sound really excited, she immediately asks if I'm okay. And I've told her this a million times, but I'm like, it feels like you're not giving me permission to have the full spectrum of emotions as a human. If I just answer and I don't sound super excited, it's not that I'm not being myself. I'm just like in the middle of something or whatever. I don't have to be this person where I'm always vibrating at this level. So when I think about like kindness as just the main thing, I just think if you can raise a kind human, you nailed it. Like just being very kind. But I also just see this like part of me that really wants him to get to be fully himself. Meaning like if he's pissed about something, I want him to be pissed about something. If he's sad, if he's happy, it doesn't matter. Like whatever emotion that he's experiencing, I really want to just like nurture him to feel safe and comfortable at whatever that is, especially being raised by a mom who honestly 90% of the time is really excited and just like, like all over the place. I don't want him to feel the pressure of having to be like that. But I think his example through his dad of someone who isn't super like effervescent in that way is going to give this beautiful contrast. But it was interesting when Sina was talking about this like critical thinking aspect where like we really want to raise a son who is like, I think this, even if maybe I don't agree with him, but he like does the work on it to figure out what he thinks, obviously when he's older, but I just think that will be really important. And that's like one of the biggest skills that we've been talking about is like kindness, full expression of self, including emotions and like critical thinking. And then the rest of like, who knows what he'll be like. I'm kind of picturing that he's going to be like a party animal. Like I feel like he's just going to be a rager because he's always partying in my belly right now. So like, I don't know if that has any indication, but um, we'll see. (laughs) I love that. Do you think being in this space of self-development has really helped prepare you to have better conversations with Sina about how you want to parent those characteristics and skills that you want your son to have? And if so, I can see you nodding yes. So (laughs) with that, what would you give to the parent that maybe hasn't had that track going into parenting? Like they're already a parent or they're just getting started and they haven't been working on themselves for years. What is some baby steps that you'd recommend they take? It's interesting because I think that what I remember is like the example of what my parents showed me rather than just what they told me, like what they embodied. So I think like anyone that's listening in to this podcast, like you're already listening into a podcast that is essentially about personal growth and being a parent. Like that's incredible that you're already doing this of like giving yourself credit for the fact that you are trying to show up to be this better version of yourself. You're making progress and like your kids are going to see that through your example, just as your significant other is going to see that through your example. I was the first one in our relationship between Zena and I who started listening to podcasts and started getting into personal growth early on in like 2013, 2014. And he just saw me start to like be more articulate with my emotions and to be more excited and just like dream bigger and have this more expansive mindset that naturally he was kind of like, huh, like I'm interested in that too. And then he jumped on board and I would just think that, you know, obviously I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but I do think that like so much of like our example is through how we embody it. So I think number one is just like, if you don't feel like you have had a huge personal growth journey yet, like give yourself grace because you are right now, like you're listening to this podcast and you're working on yourself. But one thing that I really want to do with our son is like, I want to be really honest, like when I make mistakes or, you know, really making sure that he sees me like apologize because I value my relationship more than my ego. Every relationship, you know, not every relationship, my close relationships more than my ego. And so like, I want him to actually see me make mistakes too. And I don't want to have this pressure 
And I'm very intentional about this. And like I mentioned earlier, even my relationship with my mom, what really helped me with getting so close with her now is instead of putting her on a pedestal of this expectation of how like a mom quote unquote should be, or putting my husband on this pedestal of how a husband quote unquote should be or should act based off that role. I don't want that pressure on myself of being a mom that's always going to get it right because that's just not possible, obviously. But yeah. I do think there's a lot that comes from the humility of showing up as a human and being a, willing to say like, hey, I got frustrated about this and this is why I did that. I can envision myself having those conversations very early on when I am making mistakes, as I will. And I think that dialogue is really important and I think could be really valuable for him to get to see imperfect parents that love each other and create this safe environment for him. But he also knows that it's okay to make mistakes, you know? Yeah. Mistakes matter. I feel like mistakes need to be talked about too. And like even celebrated, you know, of like, Oh, like I did this, but look at how I like, I grew from it or whatever. Yeah. I absolutely love that. One of my favorite things right now is my two-year-old. He gets really upset sometimes. And yeah. we've really focused on like taking deep breaths. And we did it with our oldest too, but a little bit later because I entered this space when he was a little bit older. Yeah. And so our two-year-old, even just the other day, like he now on his own without being prompted, he'll get really upset and he'll just stop and he'll take a big deep breath. And it has made me like so happy and so proud. And I think it's just like any little thing that you can do to be like, okay, what do I need? And how can I teach my kids how to implement that as well. At the end of the day, I know I am so far from a perfect parent, but if I can just keep trying to be like, okay, yeah. what would I need or have needed and how can I help guide them? That's when I look back and I'm like, okay, we're trying, we're evolving, we're yeah. doing something. Such good advice like to like parent yourself too of like, okay, what would I need? Like I'm going to put that one in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Because I think we forget at the end of the day, sure, we have more tools as an adult and we have more experience, but going back to just like you were saying of what you want to see in a mom and what you've loved about that relationship and things that have grown and evolved. Yeah. So just coming back to that and like allowing that permission for ourselves, like what would I want in myself? So looking at ourselves that way. So a couple more questions. I know this has been such a good conversation, but one thing that I super admire about right now, and you're right in the thick of it, is you're planning for maternity leave. And yeah. you have some very specific decisions you're making, boundaries you're setting, things you're putting in place. I'd love for you to just walk us through what you think is working really well to set you up for success and maybe some things that have been really hard and you're still kind of trying to figure out. Yes. Oh, gosh. It's such a mix of emotions because at the time that we're recording this, I... I'm trying to not make a decision for a future version of me that I don't know who she is yet because I understand the magnitude of becoming a mom and that there are so many things that I have no idea that I have absolutely zero control over in terms of how the birth will go, how like I want to breastfeed. So like, how is that going to go? Like, what's this going to look like? How is this going to affect what's their sleeping going to be like? And how is that going to affect me? Yada, yada, yada. My desire for like excitement in this current stage of me wants to say yes to all of these things that are coming up even after he's born. But my like wanting to protect this space that I've worked so hard to create, the fact that I even have, it's like such a gift to even have the opportunity to really just like, close down whatever I want to close down for as much time, honestly, just fully transparently, as much time as I really want to, I can. And yeah. that in itself is such a state of like privilege and such a blessing. But I've also worked really hard to get to this place that I don't want to move through it 
um, just on to the next thing because I just, I know I'm not going to ever get this back. It's like, we want to have two kids. Um, but it's like the first one, our first time having a baby together in this new house that we're renovating right now. And like being in this season in our marriage, that's the happiest season we've ever had in our marriage. And I'm like, I just like, I'll never get this back. And I don't think that I'm going to look back and regret like, oh, I didn't launch this program six weeks earlier um, and make X amount of dollars. So I'm trying to be really cognizant of that because the version of me now wants to say yes to everything because I'm in this mode of just excitement, feeling like I'm on a rocket ship. But it's also this really interesting time because, you know, at the time that we're recording this, I'm like six weeks out from a big live event. And after that, I'm kind of slowing things down on purpose. So it's this toggle. And I've been really intentional about curating an environment of people that look like the direction of where I'm headed. So I catch myself like really only listening to podcasts like of women in business that are also moms. Um, because I just think that like they can speak to things that people that aren't moms can't speak to. And it's no offense to not moms. Cause like I've been that for years. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm looking for. And I'm actually intentionally like curating a space of like, conversations with a couple of my close girlfriends that are entrepreneurs that just had babies like in the last four months and like really tapping into like, how are you feeling? So you're on week three of maternity leave. Like what's that like? And just kind of, you know, using other people's experience, but also knowing I'm going to have my own unique experience. And then one of the big things that I decided was like, I try and think about that future version of me. I'm like, what type of support is she going to need? So two tactical things that I did. One was I looked at my business and I was like, in a perfect situation in this stage of life, what am I actually going to need? So I'm very aware that I'm going to need to hire someone locally, which I've never had someone work locally with me to Denver that can like be physically around to set up things so that, you know, now I'm recognizing that an hour of me setting up for a retreat is an hour away from our baby. And it's like, I only want to do the things that require to be done by me. So I'm already catching myself wanting to think about how can I outsource more? But then on the other side of it, I also know that I still am going to be myself. I, I know that I'm still going to want to continue to build the business and brand and make the impacts that I'm making. So I intentionally joined a mastermind that I know there's women that are building seven figure plus businesses that are going to be part of this that are also at the same stage of life where they're all moms. So I'm like uh-huh. thinking about what a future version of me needs, anticipating what that is, but then also knowing I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So it's like, <laughs> Even with like the birth plan and Kelsey, we'll be talking about this when I'm like close to birth, but it's like, I've got this plan, but I also know that the plan is that the plan might not go according to plan. So my plan is no plan, but it's one plan too. So here I am just like trying to figure it out as I go. (laughs) And I think that's life, right? That's what we've talked about this whole time is like, you don't know what else is there for you until you get there. You had no idea you would be in this space. Like when you first jumped into your next thing and that is motherhood. Yeah. You have no idea each step. You just try to figure it out and you move forward. Keisha, thank you so much for being here. I have two questions left for you, but before we get to them, all the places that people can find you. And we have a special announcement at the end of this. One way you can connect with both of us in person. But where can they go follow you right now? I love you, Kelsey. I could literally talk to you for 25 hours straight. So there's that. Um, so my favorite social media platform is Instagram. It's Keisha Get Mary. Most tricky name, but K-A-C-I-A. Um, you'll find me. And then Empower Her is my podcast every Monday and Thursday. That's my favorite, favorite platform. And then I have a text community where I send out little like inspo texts every week. And it's a really cool way for us to get to connect and just, you know, I love getting to connect also outside of social media. So you can text the word start to 512-548-2728. 
um, 512-548-2728 if you want to join that text community. So those are the fun ways to connect. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So good. And your podcast is seriously the best. I love that it's this balance of just like education and moving you forward, but also like girlfriend pep talk and everything that you need in between. Absolutely love it. So definitely go dive in. Um, Before we get to our exciting announcement and giveaway, two questions for you. What is one thing that you want baby boy to know? You have the characteristics that you want him to carry, but when he comes back and he listens to all the places mom's been before him, I want you to leave him a little love note message, something that you hope he knows. It's weird because maybe this is my hormones, but I literally almost cried when you asked that question for some reason. It just came up of like how wanted he is. Like I am so excited because, you know, it's funny because we actually envisioned for whatever reason that we were going to have a girl. And as soon as we found out that we were having a boy, we felt like, you know, my husband cried because he lost his dad and he feels like he gets to continue like to now he gets to build this relationship that was cut short with his dad by having a boy. And I have never been so excited that I feel like I'm gifted this like adventurous side. And like, I love playing in the dirt and I like, I'm just envisioning like this relationship that I'll get to have with a little boy that I had never pictured before. Cause for whatever reason, I thought it was going to be a girl, but it's like, he is so wanted and we're so excited and you know, we'll figure out life together, but it's just like, I've never been so excited for anything in my entire life. And I've done some cool things that have been really amazing, but like literally my eyes are watering because I'm just like, I cannot wait to meet him. And like all of the things that he's going to teach me, I have this like built in buddy forever. Like I can't, it's just, he's so wanted. Like, that's what I want him to know. Like we want you and we're going to love the crap out of you. And we're going to try and be the best parents that we can. And I just, I like, can't even wait. You're going to be such a good mom, Case. You already are. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. Outside of welcoming little baby boy, because obviously I know you're excited about that. What is something else that is just lighting you up right now that is a big goal that you're super excited about? I'm really excited about just this. I'm obviously this stage of life, but also really being at this place where I am like, finding other passions and letting myself be really multi-passionate, right? So it's like, I help podcasters and I do events and I do these speaking and I've been really just curious about like, what are the other things that I'm mildly interested in and how can I start tapping into that? I can see myself doing that like in the hobby space, but also even just like as my husband and I are starting to invest in like real estate and we've started to really make some moves in that direction and just letting myself like be this fully expressed version of someone who has all of these passions. Cause I think we feel a lot of pressure to be like, what's my one thing or what's the thing that I like need to focus on. And I'm like, you can be so many different things. And I feel like I'm in this major evolution that if you were to say, Kesha, like what's happening in 2024, it's like, I have some ideas, but I'm also like purposely leaving this space for a question mark to say mm-hmm. like, I don't know what I'm going to be mildly curious about that I can then try and decide if I want to continue moving forward with. And like this space feels very free and flowy. Um, and I'm excited to lean more into it because I, I don't know exactly what's to come, but I feel like it's going to be really good. <laughs> I love that. So good. All right. Exciting announcement. Tell us about Empower Her Live. I'm going to go ahead and rip off the band-aid that we are going to give away a ticket to Empower Her Live. So anyone that shares this episode, either a takeaway, a screenshot, however you want to share it, you can review both the Empower Her podcast and the Mama Has Goals podcast. Share something on social media. 
send it to your stories and tag Keisha and I will put all the details in the show notes to spell it all out for you. But we want to see you live in Denver. So I was there last year. I know how amazing it is. I can tell you all about it. But Keisha, (laughs) tell us some of the secrets, the giveaways, the things that we want to be there for. It's interesting because you know this, Kels, but for anyone listening into this, there's so much power in being physically in person with a bunch of women that are vibrating at this level where they really care about supporting each other. And what's cool about the Empower Her community is it is this very come with me, let's figure out life together type of community. But the values are transparency and just like being raw and being real and not feeling like you have to be this like polished version of yourself all the time, but it's like, come as you are very like community. Like I've got your back. And I love that about our community. Um, and we have an epic lineup of speakers and I could like list off speakers that you're just like, what in the world, which is so cool. But I, I think a lot of people lead with speakers when really it's about like getting to be physically in the room for three days, especially women in this community where it's like, you go through your life and you have all of these responsibilities. So it's like, getting out of your day-to-day life to be immersed for three whole days is life-changing because you're giving yourself the space to say like, what do I want? And how do I want to give up this version of good and go for great in different aspects? How can I get more clarity and connections that I'm craving? And so I think there's something about the fact that it's like September 22nd through the 24th, it starts Friday night and it goes through Sunday action-packed with all of these different opportunities to connect, but also these different speakers that really lets you like get in. Cause you know, when you go on vacation, like the first day or even the second day, you're not fully in. So like the three day thing just really like gets you in. Empowerherlive2023.com is where you can check out more details. See our speakers. We've got Trent Shelton, Jamie Kerlima, Chris and Lori Harder, Natalie Ellis from Boss Babe, Ashley Lemieux. I mean, literally Ashley Stahl, who used to be in the like CIA and now she is a career coach. Like we just have like a really diverse group of speakers that can speak to all different stages of life and versions of going from good to great. So I hope to see you guys there. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. You know, your event, I went to like seven events back to back last year and yours was the last that I went to. And to be honest, it was probably my favorite. And the reason being, it is such a diverse group of people, people that are in corporate, they have a side hustle, moms, not moms, just maybe even in college and people that have really different lives going on, but all there to truly like empower themselves, empower her to move forward to your next level and your next version. And to be able to just like unapologetically, but authentically show up. It is the most authentic and transparent and real community and real event that I have been to. It is the most real group of people. I met the most quality connections of people through your group. So I just am a huge, huge fan of that. So enter the giveaway and we will see you there. I'm super excited to be there and see you bumping on stage. Literally 34 (laughs) weeks pregnant. I'm going to look like I I ate a basketball. I can't wait. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Keisha, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you, babe. Sometimes the smallest act of love is all a mom needs to feel reinvigorated. If you can relate to that, I'd feel so supported by your five-star rating and written review. Take a moment and let me know what you thought about this episode.